Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Wrestling fans, and welcome to another edition of John Arisky's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast, the only wrestling podcast that brings you back 30 years with vintage audio featuring some of the biggest names of that time. Pro Wrestling Spotlight covered all the news stories and breaking developments that happened in real time, and now we relive those moments and that history right here on this podcast today. We will review the Pro Wrestling Spotlight show, or Pro Wrestling This Week, as it was called, which aired on 1440 WNYG in Babylon, New York, on Long Island, July 17, 1993. Uh, I am now back from 30 years ago uh, on the show uh, from the Southeast Asia Tour of the International Wrestling All-Stars. And we will talk about uh, all of that here with Marsh in just a moment. I want to plug Patreon as I do each and every week. There's so much content up there now. Uh, I tell you each and every week for five bucks a month to get you in the door. And that's even uh, less than a Starbucks coffee month. Uh, so just join us, patreon.com slash John there are several different levels there for you, uh, and the deeper you get into it, uh, the more you're going to enjoy it. Patreon.com slash John Arizzi. Let's bring Marsh on. Hey, you. There he is. Marsh, how you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good. High off the last episode. Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, a lot of people have commented on that. Uh, Slam Wrestling did a whole front page story on it. Uh, so it's out there. People are digging it. And uh, it was really good to see Todd uh, on the episode last week. Uh, that was a good one. His book is out. It's doing really well. Uh, I ordered my copy on Amazon. Can't wait to read it. So, uh, yeah, I think it's going to be a good one. And uh, and the uh, video work that you did, the audio work, the editing, as you always do each and every week on our YouTube channel, uh, really, really is enjoyable to watch. It was a really fun one to do. I love when guys like him pop up with like a book. Like when you came back with the book, it was also really cool. You started doing the rounds and you're on podcasts I listened to. And I was all like, I hadn't heard of you till the book was out. And I was yeah. like, who's this guy? And then the more you start reading up about guys like you and Todd Gordon, the the names that weren't on the forefront, but were very much involved in the business, the most fascinating stories. So yeah, I'm excited. Yeah. About. 
Well, he, you know, him and Heyman, I mean, what they did with uh, ECW is just phenomenal. I mean, uh, the things that I did over the course of uh, the last 50 years, uh, uh, you know, it's been an interesting uh, career in pro wrestling, uh, which I don't really have considered, uh, you know, my full time life, but it was certainly a large part of it. And today it is a large part of it. In uh, in addition to the baseball stuff that I do with uh, John Gibbons. So, yeah, uh, you did that, really good the on baseball that too. Podcast. The baseball podcast is doing great. It's called The Gibby Show. It comes out every Monday. Uh, we've had some phenomenal guests on that baseball podcast. Don Mattingly, if you're a lifelong uh, New York Yankees fan, he's a bench I coach for Toronto. I couldn't uh, believe you asked the question I asked you to ask him. I was like, ask about meeting Mr. Burns. And then at the end, you're like, anyone tell you to shave off those sideburns? <laughs> yeah, you you. And also, it may, be a, it may be a producer, engineer, tech guy type of thing because the uh, engineer for uh, the Gibby show, a guy named Chris, and he's out of uh, Canada, actually, uh, he said the same thing. You should ask him about that. So, yes. And that really was a good question for, for Donnie, and it got, uh, it got more response when we played a little clip on uh, Gibby's Instagram page. I think it got 22,000 uh, likes or impressions and and so that was and that was something that don re, donnie remembered fondly but yeah. each and every week we bring on guests like that it's almost like this show in a, in a, in a lot of different ways we had uh, jim palmer on i don't know if you know who jim palmer is but he was this legendary pitcher for the baltimore orioles actually beat sandy koufax in the 66 world series and he's a, a color commentator to this day for the baltimore orioles so uh, one of the legendary pitchers, Hall of Famer. And um, I remember him mostly for the 1969 World Series when he played against the New York Mets. And my hero, Eddie Crample, hit a home run for him <laughs> against him in the third game of the World Series. And I did bring that up to him. And he goes, out of everything I've done in my career, that's the one thing I want to forget. Yeah. Uh, so, But, you know, each and every week we do the same thing there. It's uh, the Gibby Show. It's on Mondays. But uh, we're here to talk wrestling. I know that's what everybody wants to hear. Uh, so uh, let's get right into it um, with uh, our trip back from Southeast Asia. Yeah, you're back. You made it yeah. all the way to Asia and back again. In you believe piece. it. And no one died or went to jail. Yeah, that's the most amazing part. When you think about the people you had, the things that they were doing, and what places like Singapore are like, like we even learned from Kevin uh, Sullivan the other day, no one arrested at, at all. No. Okay. Close, a couple close <laughs> calls. Yeah. We got back. Uh, in the opening, you point out, I didn't clip it because we'll see it as we go. Your first thing you notice as soon as you go is that you notice that uh, the reverb was gone. And you were hey. really happy about that. <laughs> so you, you start talking and go, oh, the reverb is gone. That was a terrific decision. So really I was funny. very happy because I hated that reverb. It was so weird. It didn't it sounded so echoey and hollow. It sounded like AM radio from the 1960s. Yeah. I can't imagine. Maybe we should do a couple of these episodes with reverb. Just see what people think. <laughs> yeah, well, like it's a you're you're going to have to uh, compensate us uh, for the for the many patrons and listeners that we will lose if we do that. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I don't think I can... We'll have to do a reverb-free version behind a paywall. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Getting. Uh, 
but idea. you did have Donnie on. Donnie comes on to run through That's his capsule. Uh, and you guys talked for uh, just a minute, too, about uh, a lot of the titles that are float- floating around. And I thought that was kind of interesting. Good morning, John. Good to have you back. Well, it's great to be back. You know, uh, studios here look like uh, like I never left. And it even says, it even, <laughs> says it even says "Happy Birthday" up there, and big sign, "Happy Birthday." And is it your birthday, James? Not mine. We'll find out whose birthday it is before the end of the program. Hopefully, uh, I think I could have been up there since 1972. <laughs> it looks a little faded. But uh, anyway, Don, uh, we are back here live in the studio, and of course, a lot's been going on in professional wrestling. And uh, a aura of information, especially circulating around WCW, uh, two words come to mind, or I should say several words, uh, oversaturation, as they uh, have four pay-per-view scheduled within four months between September and December, and um, it takes away, to at least I think, uh, the specialty that it's supposed to uh, represent that... Uh, supposed to want to get these things and it seems like they're becoming routine and uh, you know for anybody that's ever said uh, radio shows like this and newsletters uh, have exposed wrestling well uh, most recent tapes that the WCW did in Orlando um, certainly is exposed more than anybody else can do but uh, lots happening this week so we'll get right to it as I said the television tapings recently run by both the World Wrestling Federation and World Championship Wrestling take spotlight on the capsule this week first from the WWF some new and familiar faces appeared at the Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and Salisbury, Maryland Federation tapings. The Mountie Jacques Rougeau returned, bringing a tag partner, Pierre, who was also outfitted as a Mountie. But this time around, the French-Canadian team will be billed as the Quebecers. Nikolai Volkov returned. Chuck Williams, a.k.a. the Rebel Rocker in ECW, received tryouts on both days. Simply divined at Rex King and Steve Dahl of the USWA, they debuted as Well Done, and Adam Bomb did a clean job for Tatanka. Other WWF news notes, when their European tour concludes on August 8th, Terry Taylor will be saying goodbye to the organization. Luna Vachon broke one of her wrists during a match with Sherry Martel in Atlantic City. And speaking of Sherry, apparently she already is history with the WWF, having been let go weeks earlier than scheduled. And Tony Holm of Finland, a regular with New Japan Pro Wrestling for a number of years, he made his debut at the tapings as a heel called Ludwig Bora. World Championship Wrestling on August 28th will begin airing the tapes they made earlier this month in Orlando, Florida's MGM Disney Studios. The tapes will run through mid-November. Now, if you plan on watching Beach Blast tomorrow, you may not want to hear the following. Although no title changes took place in the ring, at the studio, Barry Windham, Ric Flair, and Rick Rude wore the NWA belt. Steve Austin and Brian Pillman, Arn Anderson and Paul Roma, and the Nasty Boys, managed by Missy Hyatt, all wore the NWA WCW tag belts. As far as the TV title belt wearers goes, Paul Orndorff, Ricky Steamboat, and Lord Stephen Regal wore that belt. Hey, Don, you think it was just like share and share alike for those TV tapes? That's incredible. Like, like share and share alike. Uh, you know, you have the tapes, the belts, this tape, and maybe I can wear the next tape. You know, it, it, John, I hate, I hate to... to break uh, the, the regular format here, but they literally, I, I mean, it's been said so much, but now it is so obvious, belts mean squat. Squat, that's a good word for that. They mean belts. nothing anymore. Squat. 
All right, just uh, finishing up here, Bobby Eaton and Chris Bonwell, they will be turning babyface uh, later on in, in the fall. You'll see them as good guys. The September 19th Fall Brawl pay-per-view will be headlined with a War Games theme. The match will be consisting of the teams of Ric Flair, Sting, Davy Boy Smith, and Hawk. They'll be taking on Sid Vicious, Van Vader, and Harlem Heat. And looking ahead to October 24th, Halloween Havoc, expect a Big Van Vader, Cactus Jack headliner. Also, Hulk Hogan has announced that on July, uh, rather than the July 22nd Weekly Gong Magazine, it was announced that Hulk Hogan will work for New Japan on two dates. That's in Yokohama on September 23rd and September 26th in Osaka, Japan. Uh, Pierre of the Quebecers is Killer Carl Wallace. That's the name he worked under as in Ger Germany and in Puerto Rico. That's where he met uh, Rougeau. And uh, back after many years in the closet, the Masked Superstar returned uh, to the Japanese rings. He teamed with Dick Murdoch for a wing in their Best Champ 93 tournament. For Pro Wrestling This Week, I'm Don Label reporting. Capsule time, 10-13. And of course, the buzzword for today is squat. Can you, can you believe the way they just... They have not only killed the business, Donnie, but they're spitting on the grave of the wrestling business at this point. That's the they're saddest, that's spitting the on it. part of it. Um, you know, people knocked Glow, and Glow was a show. I, I think what WCW did is the same thing. They've made it into a show. There is no longer any sense of uh, believability, uh, making people think, if, you know, what I'm seeing here is not a farce, not a joke. And here they did all those tapings, and tomorrow they're presenting a pay-per-view. Then they have four others coming up. It, it's incredible. Well, of course, house show attendance is uh, dwindled down to just a... Uh an average of about three or four hundred a show and that is certainly pitiful uh i talked to an insider of wcw last night and uh, the move is getting ready to be announced uh, as far as terry funk coming in as booker uh that was uh, relayed to me last night and it could be a good good move but just all the damage that has been done over the last you know you look at it over a progression of things getting worse since 89, 90, 91, 92. But this year, especially, I think there's more damage done in the first half of this year than all the four years combined. Interesting. Yeah, I guess because they were trying to film so many months in advance that belts were getting kind of passed around during the taping, and then they'd have to hand it back to the first person and try to remember what date was what, is what it sounded like? Yeah. It just kind of just crazy. I mean, the business was such in a bad place, and then them doing all those shows in a row, taping months in advance, was just uh, horrific. And at the end of the report, uh, and then when we talked about Terry Funk getting the book, I don't think that actually ever happened. Um, but uh, I guess we'll find out from Terry Funk himself because on the next episode of the podcast, and I haven't heard it yet, I haven't uploaded it yet. Uh, the tape does say Terry Funk on it, and that was from the July 25th show. So that's next week. So we'll find out. So keep tuned, and we'll get the inside scoop right here on the Pro Wrestling Spotlight 1993. You did a you did a Weekend of Champions in 93 as well, right? Yes, it was in October. Yeah. Although I was talking at that time to Farmingdale University, and then there was the Tommy D fiasco, and and it never happened over there. So uh, yeah, it was. Uh, I wouldn't say it was haphazardly put together because I did a card and everything. And uh, what really is a mis mystery to me when it 
comes to that convention that took place in October, and that was the last one. We had the original Sheik and all of that. And mm-hmm. um, unfortunately, you know, looking at the tapes that I have here, um, you know, we're really dwindling down to not a lot left. I mean, we have the Terry Funk next week, then eight twenty one from Texas. 828 from Los Angeles, 94 back in New York uh, with Warlord Barbarian in the studio. And then it kind of disappears for a few weeks. And then I have no shows, at least tapes of those shows, um, from 925 to 11.6. So, and the convention was the, was the middle to end of October that year. So I don't know what the hell happened. I don't know why there was no shows or the tapes or they weren't. Ta- I, who it? knows? Like, how you, would you even have been promoting it at the time without the shows? You know, like, I was on there. There was no doubt about it. Uh, you know, I just don't know where the, oh. where the tapes are. Okay. Hmm. That is nutty. Cause uh, I was uh, recording with Medusa earlier and we're talking about Sherry and I found the clip of Medusa cutting a promo on Sherry that we believe to have happened at your convention. That's where it happened. Yeah. That's what I, I said. On the show yeah. Mm-hmm. It was kind of cool seeing everybody start to crowd around because they were getting so rambunctious. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that was kind of people were into it. And yeah. So anyway, there's mis- mysteries that are upcoming on mm. the tapes of the shows. And then we and then, you know, the <laughs> then we take we disappear for, you know. From uh, November. 93 and then we go back in august of 94 so i mean it is what it is what can i say it was the end it was getting towards the end yeah Yeah, a little bummer i was hoping to find out what if there was if you guys would have talked about it at all if it was a big notable thing from the convention you know because i don't know how much stuff happened at those conventions that were like outside of the the q a's and stuff that would have been like that rambunctious you know yeah yeah there's handheld footage up there on youtube and of the actual show itself uh and it was you know it was a good lineup i mean we had conan we had jake we had uh um sullivan the original sheik was the headliner really that's cool so uh yeah we'll be talking about it but anyway it's just kind of like at this point of my career back then that it was uh it, it was slowly uh it was you know the blood was draining out of my body yeah and i guess part of you had to be like what am i even taping these for at this point what am i going to be doing with this you know like it's kind of hard to see in the future as far as like the idea of the digital world yeah you know i mean there could be any 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 reason it could be lost it could have been in a box that you know Mm -hmm. that that's true they could be out there somewhere i don't know yeah. If anybody who's listening to this, if you do have any of the shows from back then, <laughs> uh, September, October of 93, let us know. Yeah. Because we don't have them. <laughs> You're going to find them in some weird suitcase someday. You're like, what's this? Uh, let's see. After you ran an ad about the uh, bowling alley appearances, which I thought was funny. You're like, we're going to do a bunch of appearances. And it was literally everyone from the IWAS tour. You basically just asked everyone if they were going to be in town and could do it, you know? Yeah. There were several appearances over the course of a couple of days. I mean, several bowling alleys had a, you know, that was a big promotion. Yeah. Yeah. That was a big one. Uh, And that was kind of a make good, right? With the Tommy B failure. 
Yeah, yeah. And uh, it might have been the end of the bowling league. Um, I don't know what if attendance was good. And that was also around the infamous, uh, uh, you know, Jake, the, you know, the, the, the hangover from the Jake Roberts appearance in LNS. Who knows? Uh, well, this is you giving a rundown of how your show went in Singapore and about how you heard WCW might suddenly be semi-interested. Mm-hmm. Okay. Just about to light a cigarette. Back on the air. Bruce, thank you for bringing the mucus bucket over to us. <laughs> <laughs> These are necessary things now, John. Uh, we both... A bib. A bib? Have you been throwing up? <laughs> when you dribble and stuff. <laughs> it was been... a. Uh, it's a different part of the world, obviously, we're in. And um, uh, there are the first things they were told not to drink the water, which I think we both lived up to. Hard to brush your teeth without swallowing a little bit of it, though. Yeah, it is. Uh, but see, what I, what I used to do is uh, I, I'd open up a bottle of, uh, of mineral water. Yeah, at 133 pesos. At, right? at 133 <laughs> pesos per bottle, which is about two cents American. No, 133 pesos is a lot more. Oh, is it? Yeah, you're brushing your teeth with $4 water. I hope it tasted good, John. <laughs> Very refreshing. But uh, overall, Bruce, for me personally, going on this tour, uh, I think I, I I always thought I knew about the business, the wrestling business, but you don't really know until you're actually on a tour like this. We discussed this. I thought that it would be go do a match and then go back to the hotel and have some fun. Well, it was anything but that. People asked me if I enjoyed the trip, and I did enjoy the trip. However, I enjoyed the experience more than I enjoyed the trip. In other words, it's totally different uh, than anything you live by over here, uh, the experience of it. As far as, you know, there was a lot of work. We, we worked, we worked and 14, worked. 15 hours a day sometimes, yeah. and that's a lot of work. You know, it wasn't as much enjoyment. It's not like going on a vacation. We did not go on a vacation, sit around by the pool and catch suntans all day. Uh, we, you know, we did a lot of work, and we had a lot of work accomplished. Yeah, there was a, the, the biggest thing that, I, that really impressed me was the way the media treated wrestling there. Uh, in Manila, and, and not necessarily in Cebu, because I don't know if uh, there's even a newspaper in Cebu City, I, but in Manila and in Singapore, the media and the, the sports pages, we were, on, we were covered in the sports pages every single day. Just like ba- baseball is here. The results, uh, what happened at the matches, synopsis of the matches, and on also just on the front page of, a, of the papers, you know, photographs. Uh, one, one day it was a picture of the president of the Philippines and the Mexican midgets, you know, uh, which was great. So the media, all the TV and the radio and the print media all came out in droves to cover it. There were feature articles written about us, and uh, I guess what... Uh, what I expected, maybe not as soon, uh, the, the promotions here have certainly gotten wind of, of what happened over there. Uh, we were not selling out. We didn't sell out any of the venues. Uh, however, we were in Manila at the same venue for seven shows in the same place, which is unprecedented. So I guess people here in the States must have thought that we came home with bags of money because WCW has already uh, sent a fucking entourage uh, Excuse us. <laughs> wow, that's the first you time. You that delay? Yeah, I hope that was on. <laughs> they sent an entourage over there, and uh, I can see that John's starting to burn a little bit now. I think we better change topics to the Flintstone. So, the uh, Flintstone, they've, the ones we missed. From what I understand, they've already, they've already sent a, uh, or are about to send a troop over there to uh, uh, to try to get uh, some television in place, and there's been some promos running in Singapore ready that they were coming to town. However, John, you can only get 
quality professional wrestling, I believe, on the independent circuit. Uh, that's well, number one. They got a good two. crew of talent. Yeah, they well, got it. They that got doesn't it. mean a whole lot. And number two, you also have to, you know, over there, you have to be a straight shooter. You can't be a, you know, a slime ball. I think to try and get over and try to make a quick buck over there because it's not going to happen, as we saw. You know, the yeah. people over there are structured a lot different. Uh, the way they go about things is a lot different. And it was uh, it was different. It was a lot different than uh, you know in Singapore. You can't buy a stick of chewing gum anywhere. No, it's illegal actually. It's illegal to chew gum. Uh, it's also illegal to smoke in public. Or to spit. Yeah, you can't spit. Well, it's a very clean town. Yeah, that was kind of historic. We had uh, yeah. I mean, that was uh, that was a mistake. Obviously, um, Dan Brown, who's one of the uh, people that's part of our Facebook uh, Pro Wrestling Spotlight group and uh, you know regular avid listener to the show, and he posted on the Facebook because the entire this entire show, the unedited show, was up for patrons this last Sunday, and uh, he uh, he posted uh, yesterday. Wow, I never expected to hear John drop the f bomb on a live show, but Pro Wrestling Spotlight is always full of unexpected surprises. LOL. Yeah, like that. There's so many sins in a fucking entourage, and it's just <laughs> <laughs> the silence. If you realize what happened, you're just like, "Whoops, there you go." So, who is monitoring your audio for cursing? Is it like a human? Yeah, we have an engineer, but right. there was no right. delay. And see, mostly uh, in every radio station, any major market station, any station usually has that seven second delay. So the engineer, if a, if a curse word is said or something inappropriate, there's a button that would actually mute it. Yeah. Before it goes out on the air. But in this case, you know, NYG had no delay. Yeah. But. Do they have is this is someone assigned to listen to WNYG just to listen if anybody curses at any time <laughs> from the FCC? Yeah, which you know find how it's earned you know millions of dollars for some of the inappropriate things that happened on that show. No, I mean WNYG. We're lucky that you know that the postman delivering the mail a block away could hear the station if he wanted to listen to it. This still wasn't good. And no one was monitoring WNYG. Okay. Well, yeah, it's never good because you're also trying to set a precedent, right? What kind of broadcaster are you? Can you be on big stations? And that's not a good but, sign. Not a good but look. If you look. But if you look at the history of the show, I don't recall ever saying the F-bomb. You never that's did. That's yeah. not out over the air. So this was kind of a first. And it yeah. was probably because I was really pissed off that we just got back from a, a good tour. And then, you know, you hear that. WCW sending some people over there to try and get on TV. Yeah. I do. Yeah. I was just wondering, cause I know I, do you, do you know if you guys got fined much over the course? I doubt it. Yeah. I know that the owner didn't pay her taxes. <laughs> Whenever <laughs> Mrs. Hornstein back, you know, she, she there was an IRS agent that was coming in and, and she jumped out of her window, out of her office to, to escape the interrogation it was you know, it was a, it was a really crazy place and when we go back and you know when we go back and start doing shit all over again um you'll be hearing more nyg stories the hornsteins were just incredible i mean she was the type of a person 
that, you know, she was an elderly lady and her husband was an older, an old, you know, attorney. And she'd call everybody Cookie. And, and um, you know, she'd always say, hey, hey, Cookie, Cookie, would you throw them down the stairs and they'll split the life insurance with you? <laughs> <laughs> and you're just bug-eyed like, uh. And my sister almost killed them accidentally. She was uh, running late for an appointment because my sister worked at WNYG for many, many years. Yeah. So she was uh, at the basement and she was running down and there was a hallway with a screen door and a very heavy door. And uh, she um, she pushed the door open as Mrs. Horn- Mr. Hornstein was coming in to the station and she clocked him with the door and he fell. <laughs> And it was a place where when I was doing sales there, my sales manager at the time, guy named Mel Adler, uh, did a salesman. He walked in um, with a cane, a pair of dark glasses, and wearing Speedos. So, and he, <laughs> lots of NYG stories. That's awesome. You guys also got into a conversation about your favorite match from it, and you guys both kind of really put over that four on four that you still talk about all the time. Yeah. Like that's still one, one of really the most impression. One of the most unique matches I had ever seen to this day. And I love, I still love it to this day. Yeah. I mean, it's so it's unique. On, uh, and it, it's on YouTube, right? Yeah. It's on the YouTube. So dig it up people. It's worth a watch. I just thought it was great. Cause I know that you look back on it super fondly. I get pretty excited when, when a when you look back at something a certain way we listen to a tape and it turns out you felt differently at the time and b when you look at something so fondly and you look back at it and even in the moment you were loving it like cause sometimes yeah. you miss the moments right this was when you did not miss that moment you enjoyed it yeah very much and even those promos with luna oh yeah i mean that stuff is is gold yeah uh we get into the callers pretty early on this one and this is right after you, <laughs> you had yeah. cursed. Yeah, yeah, I can. I know it's coming up. And so, yeah. but this was a really, what I liked about this one is this caller sets you at ease because most of the time when something happens, it's a floodgates kind of a thing, but this is your first caller and it kind of lightened your mood right away. So let's take a listen to Nicholas from Massapequa. We are going to start taking... Uh, calls here uh, at 661-1440 at the program, and let's go to Nicholas from Massapequa, who will be our first caller today. Hello? Hi. Hi. Uh, is Jake the snake going to bring his snake here? I mean, toward the balloon alley? Oh, do you want to see it? No. Well, we'll tell him to keep it home then. All right. Okay. Okay, hold on. Could I fight the warrior? Sure. Call, right. call up his agent in New York, and uh, we'll book a match with uh, you and the warrior. <clears throat> Very. Th- uh, that was a great first call to bring us back. Put me right back into reality with that first call. 661-1440 is a number to call. That was good. I like that. I like him. Sometimes cynical John... Needed a little reminder that sometimes little kids are listening and they think you're great. Yeah. You know, all the guys they look up to, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, that was kind of cool. I mean, sounded like his parents, whoever was, you know, setting him up to ask that war- warrior question anyway. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it was cute. It was cute. I didn't, uh, I didn't, I wasn't sarcastic on the little one. No, not this time, because sometimes it's spit it out, kid. <laughs> yeah, sometimes I had no patience. Yeah, this time you were kind of like, you know what? There's a ki- kinder and gentler John who made it back alive from Southeast Asia. <laughs> Happy to be back in the States with the young the youngsters who called yeah and it's just cool i mean uh you went on to talk about some uh you read an ad for some shows that were coming up and then we get ira as a nice little follow-up let's go to wanto and we'll go to ira from wanto ira you're next hi john how you doing congratulations on your uh tour thank you you. have a great show but you gotta watch your fucking mouth Open up the proverbial can of worms on that one. Um, 661-1440 is the number to call here at Pro Wrestling this week. And uh, You know, John, it's a good thing we have that caller ID. Yeah, and uh, just, on the you phone. have that number? We have the number, good. and uh, we're going to give it to the FCC. And it's a $20,000 fine there, Mike. Okay, 661-1440, you've heard the warning. Um if you do want to call in and act smart or act wise or be immature, um, do so at your own risk. 661-1440. I love the moment of frustration you hear. The engineer was uh, Tom Rocky Pantaleo, uh, who... Uh, who uh, came in to engineer that show, but he was a, it still is a disc jockey in New York. Oh, cool. Rocky, Rocky Pantaleo, West Babylon. That's cool. Yeah. You actually made mention of it. Uh, he was, I think we, we have the clip at the end where you're saying thanks to everybody who was doing it, that you were asking if it was a one-time deal or not. And, and it was, and you're like, that's a shame because mm-hmm. you really enjoyed him. Yeah. Good guy. And uh, went to high school uh, with my sister as well. And, just uh, somebody that's still there in West Babylon and still doing uh, DJ work for a few radio stations there. That's pretty cool. Uh, so the caller called in with Ira as a name, and then and then was that Bruce who got on the line? That was Tom Pantaleo. That was Tom? Okay. Yeah. He called him Kevin? Do you think caller ID popped up the name and he wanted to spook him? There was no caller ID. All right. I don't know. There was an old phone with a couple of lines. <laughs> I'm sure there was no call ID, and he was he was making it up. Just trying to spook him. All right. Uh, <laughs> it was a little. It was a step above ham radio. NYG was. Yeah, that's true. It was EVD that was the big one. So let's see. On this one, we got Nicholas, a different Nick, calling in about the trip, asking about your tapes. And also, uh, Mickey B walks by, so I kept that in there as well. Cool. Let's go back to the phones at 661-1440 on the program and speak to Nick. Hello, John. Hello, Nick. How are you? Okay. What's happening? How was, how was your trip? Oh, the trip was very good. Very good uh, very exciting. You. It's good to have you back. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. you make any tapes of the... Uh cards over there uh we filmed uh over the course of 13 shows that we did uh we filmed approximately eight of those uh professionally and uh either for video broadcast or uh future television broadcast 
So we are hoping uh, to uh, be able to release that uh, either on video or some type of television special uh, in the near future. A lot of backstage footage, a lot of uh, uh, personality profiles that we shot with uh, the, the performers overseas. So it'll be a real exciting uh, tape uh, if we decide to go in that direction and put out a video. But uh, we're going to try to shoot for some type of TV special. Uh, what about the cottage? Uh Farming Duck College. Yeah, that was a situation which developed uh, while I was overseas. Now, unfortunately, uh, the promoter involved with that show it was a benefit for Starlight Foundation. Uh, there was a problem with the license for the promoter, and the show was uh, unfortunately canceled. Now, I, I met with the bowling centers this week and also talked to uh, reps from Starlight. Uh, we are going to do a, uh, a show there at Farmingdale College, and we are looking at now... Uh, doing that show uh, sometime in October. Now, what about the tickets that were sold for that show? Uh, they all have refunds. There will all be refunds uh, given out. Uh-huh. When are you going to start bowling again? When am I going to start bowling again? Yeah. Uh, I really don't know, Nick. Maybe sometime in the near future. Cause I love challenging you. Yeah, I'm sure you do, and uh, you probably would beat me at that. All right, listen, we got to run. Thanks for your call. Okay. Okay, 661-1440 is the number to call. And Mickey... I haven't had a chance to speak to you yet. Uh, you're looking uh, very, very summery today uh, of the Prince of Rock and Roll, and I want to first uh, thank you for filling in uh, for me the last three weeks here, and I'm sure that uh, the fans who tuned in were thoroughly entertained by the Prince of Rock and Roll himself. John, I'll tell you something. We had a lot of people calling in and asking, where is John Arizzi? the king of wrestling. And I said, the man is over there eating all that great food in the Philippines. It wasn't that you know? good over there. I could tell you lost about 30 pounds in one week. You look very good, by the way. You look you're looking good. You're looking like thank the Prince of Rock and Roll, 44 waistline all, 247 pounds of lightning steel, and that's what counts. But it was a pleasure filling in for you for the last three weeks. We hope some of the wrestling fans that liked a little rock and roll maybe stood with us, you know? Yeah. Well, once you hear Mickey for one time, you're hooked. I'll tell you that. Well, it's good to have you back, John. What's on the show today, Mick? Today we have a group called The Encounters coming by from uh, Brooklyn, New York. They originally had a song in 1961 called Don't Stop. So they'll be with me a quarter one till quarter two, but plus the great sounds of the 50s and 60s. Beach party time with Mickey B as usual right here on 1440 WMYG at 11 o'clock till two. Following Thank you. you. Thank you very much. Mickey B and the Jukebox Review. We're going to go back to the phone, 661-1440. Is that? Yes. Very cool. Uh, Nick, first of all, uh, Nick was an avid listener of the show, uh, Booster Club member. He was an avid bowler as well. He's the guy that we booked in Lou Albano to go to his kid's birthday party. Oh, very cool. Yeah, so uh, he called up and... Uh, yeah, and I think uh, his son has reached out, I mean, um, on our socials, so, you know, that's kind of wow. neat here as well and and of course mickey uh always great to hear mickey's voice did he talk like that even off air because he yes. has such a radio voice he he uh was a natural and he was an entertainer and uh that's the way he talked he was always up i never saw mickey down like you know depressed yeah. uh, even as he got older i mean he was always up and very just full of optimism all the yeah. time. He's a great guy. He also just had that like cadence. I said he's over there in the Philippines, you know. And yeah. And just... the man who introduced Lou Albano to Cindy Lauper. Yeah. He had 
I just think his voice is so cool. Just such a rhythm he, to yeah. it. Yeah. Uh, just, just as a heads up, this was kind of a lighter show in general. We didn't have the mm-hmm. night show. We only had the first opening show. Uh, and it was a lot of, hey, we're Did we're I back. plug the night show? Didn't I plug the night show? Wasn't there like a, a plug for the night show? I think there was. And even though I, I don't have was. the tape. Yeah, so it's like, that's why this is such a, you always talk each and every week, you get to relive what you did 30 years ago. But when I hear these tapes, and I'm like, and I'm saying, well, that's the last show ever on ED, and then I hear myself plugging the night show, I'm like, that's where the fog sets in. That's where the dense yeah. fog sets in on the history. I was also wondering if it was feasible because there's been other shows where you've plugged a show and then we found out through two shows later that you didn't do that show. Yeah. You know, so I don't, I also wonder since it's hard to know if there was, maybe you got sick, maybe. No, I don't know what happened. I mean, you know, the way the tapes are these days and then when I look at all of them and I'm like, this is the point of time where a lot of things were misplaced or lost or who the hell knows what happened. So, yeah, we're lucky to have what we have at this point. Yes. Uh, Bob from Point Pleasant does call in and asked about Terry Funk going to WCW, and you kind of got upset, and so they need to stop these stupid mini-movies. You're really upset by the whole uh, mm-hmm. Cactus Jack thing. Yeah. Uh, and you talk about how you want to do an IWAS show in Texas. You mentioned that. Well, it's happening. Yeah. We're doing it. I mean, you know, that was a that was another show. I mean, that uh, uh, happened uh, on August the twentieth or twenty first of uh, ninety three. Okay, so it was probably already ready to go. Yeah, yeah, we 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 have a show that we recorded from there. Yeah, I haven't heard awesome. it yet, but yeah, that was uh that was a debacle in so many ways. My what God, go wrong? What could go wrong? Yeah, you sell a show to a promoter. Dallas is. Dallas was at that time, and Jake was appearing for the promotion, uh, which was global, uh, and they were giving away, you know, like 15,000 tickets a week for free. And meanwhile, the show that I have is loaded, and, you know, there's $30 ringside, and, you know, that show, you know, was covered in all the Japanese magazines, and I'll post pictures up for patrons. That was a show that only, I think, 300 people attended in this big and unfortunately, the uh, the woman who bought the show, she she lost a ton of money. Damn. Yeah, it was bad. It was actually, you know, because we got all our deposits, and then the day of the show, she wanted to cancel it while everybody was there. So yeah. if it wasn't for Kevin Sullivan reach there with me and Donnie was there, and um talking to her about how you know this would really you know this would not be a good thing for anybody if the guys don't get paid and and she came up with the cash for the second half of uh, the deposit the balance so everybody got paid but um she she got she lost she lost a ton of money on it that sucks yeah and then of course i got blasted again in the pro wrestling torch by uh, bruce mitchell after that show happened <laughs> <laughs> like like it was intentional on my f- part 
Yeah. I gave her a loaded show. I had Cherry Martel, Woman. I had, you know, we were doing interviews. We got on a week early, and, and we're just doing, going to all the radio stations, me and Cherry Martel. And and um, anyway, we'll be talking more about it, but uh, yeah. it was wild. Bruce just waiting for anything to. And that's where I met JBL for the first time. Oh, no kidding. Because he showed up at the show and, you know, wanted to introduce himself. Yeah. To me and uh, and uh, gave me a little promo kit on himself, so he, you know that was he was very polite. He was brand new, just getting started. Any chance to have that promo kit? I don't have it anymore. I just don't know what you keep. I can't tell. You keep so much from so many years. Wouldn't that be neat if you still had that? That's all. It would be. It would be. Yeah. Yeah. But that's cool. That's fun. And then you probably didn't bump into him again for years. Not until uh, DAC last year, Cauliflower Alley Club. Was that the last time those were? There was. I had seen him since uh, '93. Yeah, I hadn't seen him since. Did you bring that up? Uh, I did not. Hmm. I don't know if he. I don't know if he would remember it anyway. No, he might not. But I do think that he very much, from the short conversations I had with him, very much appreciates the memories of the other things and kind of the full circleness of it all. So like, I think if you told him, Hey, you came up to me once in Texas, he may remember having gone to it. Cause it was just a couple of years before he got to WWF, like exactly trying to push himself. And so he might remember, I even, I went to this guy, this guy wasn't even really from here. And I went to him like, that was just a sign of his work ethic, you know, like putting those kids together and taking it to everyone. I think it was like, like cowboy John Layfield or something that he was promoting himself yeah. as. As soon as he got to WWF, he was Justin Hawk Bradshaw, and he was cowboy. Yes, for the bell. So I don't know. Uh, let's see. I I kept this one from John from Copeg because I lo- just love the way the guy talks. He's asking you about Lex Luger and stuff, and the intrepid thing coming up. And he's just so New York that I had to keep it good. Let's hear it. Now, uh, number 661-1440, and speak to John from Copeg. How you doing, John? Yes. How you doing? This is uh, John Copeg. Uh, not to change anything, but as far as the WWF, uh, do you feel that the Grumman Lex Luger now to be the new champion over uh, the guy Yokozuma? No question about it. Um, what they did on July 4th, I, didn't, I was away, so I didn't see it, but I did hear that there was a big, big promotion on the intrepid uh did you catch that when luger came out of the sky in the helicopter and yeah yeah uh, how did that go over i haven't had the opportunity very to see good that. but it was you know it's a surprise the way he did about you know the aimed the elbow to the head and then uh you know he slammed and it was all controversy over as usual yeah but uh, i know luger will be at monday night raw this monday night and they have turned his character baby face and they're going to uh, try to make him now the replacement for hulk hogan and they've put him on a tour bus and he's going to be touring like 40 cities over the next uh, 30 days uh, uh, leading up to SummerSlam. I believe they will announce uh, on Monday Night Raw Monday that he will take on Yokozuna for the title. So, yeah. Okay, John. Thanks for your call. Right, thanks for calling. Okay, thanks for calling. Uh, thank you for your call. Uh, 661-1440 is the number to call here at the program. And we have approximately another 10 minutes to go here. And then we will wrap it up for today. And uh, glad to be back in the driver's seat here at WNYG. 
And uh, Tom, also to have you back here as engineer. Is this a, a permanent situation or is this a one-shot deal? One-shot deal. Um, Tom okay. Ross is on vacation. Bruce's malaria is coming back in the background there, as you, you can see. You okay, Bruce? He's okay. Okay. He's- Coughing up some lung over there. He's all right. Yeah, I've been doing that all week myself. But, uh, yeah, Luger's situation is um, one where can he carry the ball? Can he succeed in what they're uh, planning for him? And, uh, you know, it's a situation where who else are they going to turn to? Uh, Luger's the guy that they've chosen to be the heir apparent now for Mr. Hogan. Hogan is now uh, with just a few dates left overseas for the WWF. He's history with them, so... Uh, Luger has now been passed the torch and will officially be crowned on SummerSlam. Yeah. Oh, looks Luger. He's going to beat that Yoko Zumo. Yeah, thanks for calling. <laughs> it's an odd show, this one is. It's a pretty odd one, isn't it? Yeah, this one was weird, but I found, like, although it wasn't super... Uh, wasn't like super notable and ton of like highlights with massive changes of stuff. It just kept making me laugh. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that because it's making me laugh as I'm as I listen to it uploading in. It's making me laugh again, and and you know the fact that Bruce was sick and I was you know coughing up and he's hacking up and you know we got people cursing and and uh, including myself and we got little kids yeah. calling up and it's uh, it's a, a freaking uh, clusterfuck. <laughs> yeah, it's all over the place. <laughs> Adam from Leviton did call in. He was asking about W two, and I started wondering this too after the the Ira guy. I wonder if you guys were starting to like really vet the calls and recognize people because we started getting the regulars, the Bob from Pleasants, the Adams from Levittowns. Um, mm-hmm. But he was talking about WWE filming in Disney uh, as kind of a bad move. Uh, he's not sure why they're doing that. Uh, but also noted specifically that WWE was not going to be coming to the Manhattan Center until September. And then they said they didn't know if they're going to keep doing it. Is this the moment that that WWF picked up and started touring? I don't know. I could have sworn the Manhattan Center lasted longer than that because this just feels like it was less than a year. Yeah, uh, it wasn't like regular though. They started taking it around, but then maybe doing Manhattan Center what once a month, maybe. Oh, he also was mentioning how much he thought it was a bummer just because of the tightness. That was the fan base that was there. It was a pretty regular fan base that really got to kind yeah. of know each other and be excited for the events. Yeah, there was a, a camaraderie of, of people who'd go to all the Manhattan Center shows, and you get to know everybody. How often did you make it to them? How what? How often did you make it to the Manhattan shows? I didn't go to any of them. Any of them? Nope. Well, I wasn't. Uh, I was kind of persona non grata back then. Yeah, was it because you were afraid Vince was going to walk by? I was afraid of everything. I was a paranoid <laughs> son of a bitch back then. <laughs> you know, I really was. I was like, you know, from Pat Patterson to Vince. And I mean, it, it was all of that. I just, I wasn't comfortable yeah. there, you know. And, um, you know, I had all the Russo shit, though, you know, the aftermath of all that shit. And, so it was almost like I hated going to shows because I know there was a faction of uh, uh, the fans who just didn't like me, you know, because of Russo, because of the uh, coverage that I did on WWF. I mean, there was just so much 
But I really, you know, I enjoyed watching Raw on TV, especially from the Manhattan Center, because I thought it was a really cool place and how hardcore the crowd was. And I spent my time, you know, hanging out at the ECW arena. Yeah. Yes, you did. Until they started chanting, you fat fuck at me. And then- Snake, like, I got to go. <laughs> That's about all I can do here. We didn't find out from Todd if you're in his book. There's some crazy story I, about you backstage. I you were nervous it. about the dirt coming out about you from Todd? Yeah. I doubt, who the hell knows? I doubt it. I mean, <laughs> that was when, you know, even though it was still a few years away from me totally getting out, out, out. Totally. You know, I, I was I was really hating it. I was like uh, I was cringing. You know, I had a kind of a safe space when I turn on a microphone a yeah. little bit. Uh, but, you know, uh, that that joy didn't last. And before you know it, I, you know, as we'll hear, I just say, you know, what, I'm quitting. And then I disappear for those months. Makes sense. I'm happy to be back as a historian now. Looking back at this, I think I'm more beloved now than I was 30 years ago. Or, or maybe the trolls have just gone quiet. <laughs> yeah. Or they're dead. Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard to live that long with you know that hatred in their heart from you. That's right. Uh, this is the way you close the show, and it leads to. Uh, I mean, a few questions. So uh, let's listen to this because it's like you're trying to get out of there and then Bruce jumps on. And it's certainly been a pleasure to be back here today. It's, it was a long trip, uh, June 24th through the 12th of July, and I uh, certainly learned a lot about the wrestling business over over the th- two and a half, close to three weeks we were away. And hopefully uh, the knowledge that I have acquired from doing these tours, uh, we could benefit yourselves as wrestling fans with some events that uh, we will start to plan here. Uh, I really enjoy the business. I uh, got back into it in 1989, almost uh, as a whim, something to fall back on after I left the music business, but uh, certainly acquired a stronger love for the wrestling business than I ever had. And sometimes it's just sad to see what has happened to it over the last few years, so... If there's anything that we can do on our end here at this program and with some of the, some of the events that we plan to really bring wrestling back to the way it used to be, that's what we're going to try to do. And uh, we got about another minute to go here. I want to thank my producer publicly again, Mr. Bruce Jacobs, for all his help overseas uh, on this tour. Uh, he certainly uh, proved to be uh, my right-hand man over there, uh, looked out for me tried to keep me out of trouble and also today here at the studio i want to thank tom for filling in for the other tom uh so one tom replacing the other and of course mickey b thank you very very much for uh helping me out the last three weeks here at the station hey john yes you weren't saying that when i lost that key uh yes the safety deposit key where all the wrestler payoffs and uh, yes that was a very stressful morning it forced us to miss a flight uh, yes, we missed our flight with the wrestler, so we had to travel ourselves. And our last comment for the day, the stewardess who was sitting across from me on that airline, Manila Airlines, going to Cebu City, giving herself the sign of the cross, hoping the plane would get into the air. Until next week when we talk more wrestling with you, this is John Arezzi. We'll talk to you tonight on WEVD. <laughs> Great. <laughs> Memory to end the show. The music yeah, Bruce playing Law- Bruce Law- 
<laughs> Bruce lost the safety deposit key where all the final payoffs were in cash and U.S. dollars. And then uh, we missed a flight and we had to take another flight. And, uh, and those planes were not the best in the world. So we got there. Was that... Uh, that wasn't home. That was just from one country to not. We were there. Yeah, that was uh, Manila. We we're probably uh, heading, I would guess, to Singapore. Or was it Manila to Cebu City, or from Cebu City back to Manila? Mm, something like that. Something okay. I don't. I don't really recall, but I know I was pissed that he misplaced that key where all the money was. Do you remember him coming up to you? They didn't have that key. Yeah, I wasn't happy. <laughs> <laughs> I remember not being thrilled about it. <laughs> Any chance you remember where it ended up? Was it like one of those things where it was just in the wrong pocket? I don't know, man. I don't remember. It was not, you know, it was like it was a flash when uh, yeah. I heard the show and I was like, yeah, shit, I remember it. that there was a lot of anxiety. Yeah. And Bruce was running around like he was, you know, 90 pounds soaking wet anyway. And he was already being intimidated by Barbarian the whole, you know, he was his nerves on edge. I mean, Barbarian, they were ribbing. He was ribbing Bruce the whole time. <laughs> like, come Bruce, sit on my lap, Brucey. Barbie <laughs> like you. <laughs> <laughs> and pure rib, you know. Mm. So it's going to be interesting to have uh, Warlord and Barbarian in the studio. Uh, in one of the upcoming shows, and, oh. and see see what that reunion is between Bruce and um, and Barbie. That's so good. That's awesome. And then you just remember looking over at a flight attendant, just panicked. He was doing a sign of the cross. Yeah, not. <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a flight attendant. <laughs> yeah. And you're like, this is great. This is gonna uh, be great. Here we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, plane rides are scary sometimes. Yeah. What was, this, what was the scariest plane ride you ever took? I remember there was one we were taking off specifically because I remember that there was a woman next to me who was nervous about flying. And I'd flown a lot as a kid. My parents were split and I was back and forth kind of a deal. Uh, I remember as we're going up, you could hear the from the landing you're going up, but it was so much more extreme than you're used to hearing that I made a face. I was like, <laughs> and then the lady looked at me she goes wait is that not is that something you're worried about and i was like well not until we're landing <laughs> like, <laughs> those could be scary i mean the scariest one i ever had was fourth of july uh 2011 and i uh, was managing sarah darling at the time and we were going from charlotte north carolina where we had a gig uh, and we were going to open up in a little town in West Virginia for Billy Ray Cyrus. Yeah. So we get on this prop plane and we, as soon as we saw the plane, we, we you know, we thought we were going to have a plane plane, but this was a, probably a 16 seater mm -hmm. and not happy seeing the plane. And a thunderstorm is hitting on the way down and the plane dropped. I mean, it dropped, literally. And I was thrown out of my seat and hit my wow. head on the ceiling. We almost bit the farm that day. And when we got off the, the plane, I mean, everyone was shaken up. I mean, you want to kiss the ground. And that was the closest ever came to going down. And uh, Sarah was 
incredibly uh, panicked and um i think somebody was reading the bible on the you know on the on the flight it was crazy my nephew was with me too so that was even worse i mean to have my nephew um there but uh we made it did the gig opened up for billy ray cyrus and uh but it was one of it was the scariest flight i was ever on that's insane 2011 yeah yeah no i've just had some rough turbulences and the one time the landing gear didn't sound like it went up right yeah i'm not a i'm not you know i'm not a frequent flyer anymore the way it was all the time and i i just hate airports as it is now and everything i just hate traveling um i'd rather drive and fly anywhere if I can. But anyway, I, I digress. But uh, so, yeah, that was the that was the the show on that one, and we don't know why there was no night show recorded at least. And then uh, yeah, I guess we we'll never see what's will probably. One. Yeah, maybe you know we'll see. Every day, every week's a new surprise. That's why you know I don't like to upload too many in advance. Uh, I like to be surprised and try to get some answers. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I tend to like to listen to it right before, like the day before, so that way it's fresh on the mind. This one I prefer. Yeah, that's always the best way to do it. And then, you know, everything is fresh in your memory. Uh, But, um, yes, I know you're really busy. The Medusa stuff is up. You told me about a great episode you guys just did, uh, reminiscing about Sherry Martell. Yeah. So we got Sherry Martell conversation coming out. We started doing some watch-alongs. We had Rock and Robin on and watched some stuff. That's coming out. So... Uh, it's pretty cool, pretty fun. So yeah. youtube.com slash queen of carnage. Check that out. Yeah. So we look forward to getting uh, Medusa back on this show. You know what we should do? I mean, uh, we got to talk to her because that Howard Stern appearance that she did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we were promoting the convention, it was a day. It was a week of the convention. Uh, maybe that's a, that's a good time to bring her back. Yeah. Play a few clips and, you know, see if we get sued or not. For playing a Stern show from 30 years ago. That just depends on how we do it. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah. We'll figure and it then, out. And by the way, I think I told you this before uh, the show started today, before we started taping, that DDP actually uh, texted me, <laughs> heard from him. You know, I reached out to him in March and uh, he asked who I was in the text. And I said uh, who I was and nothing until like this week. And he goes, I owe you a phone call five months later so i'm gonna follow up with them in september and uh see if we can get them on here that would be a good guess that'd be fun that'd be cool because you you were following his career early you know like you're definitely mm-hmm. aware of him and helping him out and you got him over on this trip you know like yeah yeah and yeah. then also when i look at it too like i think one of the reasons him and medusa are so tight they both came up in awa right around the same time mm-hmm. so yeah yeah all good stuff good stuff all right, man. So um, always a pleasure, Marsh. You could be reached at yeah, Marsh Ref. Ref on Threads and Instagram, and then I still pop up on Twitter at Ref Marsh. So. There you go. All right, my friend. It was good to see you, and um, we will see you again next week. And that's going to wrap up this uh, crazy edition of John Arisi's Pro Wrestling Spotlight Podcast. Uh, you could join the private group at Facebook.com slash pro wrestling spotlight podcast and radio show we have a public page there to share history as well and just go to john amarezzi's map memories for that public page we got some really good content on there there's a private group as well that you have to answer a couple of questions to get in there so uh that's uh on facebook uh twitter at john arezzi instagram 
at John Arezzi. Threads at John Arezzi as well. Uh, if you'd like to sign a numbered copy of my book, Matt Memories, send me an email, john at mattmemories.com. And we just put up a new episode of Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden. And that one is covering the July 23rd, 1973 show with special guest referee in the main event, boxing immortal Joe Lewis. And he was officiating the return match between champion Pedro Morales and George the Animal Steel. I have footage of that match as well as it was Freddie Blassie's last Madison Square Garden show until his return as a manager in 1974. However, on July 23rd, 1973, he faced Victor Rivera, and I have footage of that too. And uh, patrons are going to be able to see both those matches. If you're a member at patreon.com slash John Arezzi, in the level that gives you access to those 8-millimeter films. So check it out, and check out the audio. Matt Memories from Madison Square Garden, wherever you listen to your favorite podcast. It's co-hosted by Tim Putre, written and researched by my good friend Richie Garcia. I want to thank our producer and creative director, Marsh, and also our Patreon executive producers, Anthony Pyrus and Joe Holloway. And for each and every one of the patrons, for your support, helping with the production costs for this program. Until next week, when we relive more history with you, this is John Arezzi for the Pro Wrestling Spotlight.